0: five verses for our text this morning. As you recall, the Apostle Paul has been preaching at the synagogue at Antioch, and he has given them all the way from the Old Testament, proof text and proof text upon proof text about who Christ was and that he fulfilled everything he promised to do, providing redemption, salvation, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. And that he also was the righteous king of Israel. Beginning at verse 48 of Acts 13, And when the Gentiles heard this, and with the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. We ask, Lord, this morning that you might bless the reading of this word. Use the truth we find here to help us. Much of the church across America and indeed around the world seems to be dozing And if they aren't dozing, so many others seem to be moving backwards. But your church, your kingdom, is supposed to prevail. Help us from this lesson this morning. Find the discernment to recognize where we need to stand firm. Where we need to recognize resistance. And be able to counter it, that the gospel may be proclaimed with faithfulness for the salvation of many. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. This conclusion of Paul's sermon seems to have some great excitement. Gentiles enjoyed hearing Paul's message, and another part of the lesson, part of the chapter. They beg him to come back and preach again. They were glad to hear it. Revival seemed to have broken out among the Gentiles, the ones who were not Jewish. When the power of the Holy Spirit shines in your soul, gladness, freedom, love, joy seem to overwhelm your life. The burden of your sin is gone. The guilt and the shame is washed away. And I'm confident nearly every single person here is, can testify to that. Amen? We see that in the testimony of the words from Luke, saying that the Gentiles heard this and began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. The power of the Holy Spirit took off like a fire. Don't you wish you could see it again? The word of the Lord spreading throughout the whole region. We've talked some, and you've probably read some, about revival seasons in history the Holy Spirit in response to prayer and preaching and teaching God's word responds and saves souls, saves many, brings people to repentance. Those were wonderful times. We certainly need one today. A true time of repentance. A true time of revival. And we are certainly called to pray for it. But why doesn't happen? Why doesn't it happen now? Why do we not see it more regularly? Why are we seeing spiritual clouds forming over the horizon and things getting darker and darker and darker, even in America? Four points I'd like to try and make this morning from the text: Resistance to the gospel should be expected. Resistance to the gospel also often comes from within the church. Resistance to the gospel regularly comes from outside the church. And resistance to the gospel ultimately leaves one conclusion. Resistance is expected, it often comes from within, regularly comes from without, it ultimately leaves one conclusion. I've made this point before. I'm going to re emphasize it here this morning because I believe this, we can get it from the text. But the Lord Jesus Christ told us about it at the very beginning, the very first sermon he ever delivered when he began his ministry. Blessed are those who are persecuted. For righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you, and they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. It says you're blessed when you're persecuted. Expect it, and then he says something else. Rejoice. And be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'll be honest. I'm like you. I don't like persecution. I don't like it when people say bad things about me. Particularly when I'm trying to share Jesus. It's painful. Emotionally. But our Lord Jesus Christ even told his disciples later on. He said, remember, as though he were saying, I'm reminding you, I said this before. The servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. And we look back through the annals of history and we can see time and time and time again where People were persecuted for the faithful testimony of the gospel. Again, in Matthew 10, beginning at verse 22, the Lord Jesus said, You, my disciples, will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house, of, master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household. The Lord Jesus Christ again just reminds his disciples that if we are to follow our master and he was persecuted, we should expect the same kind of response. Expect resistance to the gospel. That doesn't sound like anything to look forward to. I know. But when the Lord said rejoice and be exceedingly glad those were emphatic verbs (laughs) it's not an option we are commanded to rejoice for persecution but one thing you can be sure of resistance to the gospel is a sure sign that the Bible is true because the Bible says that it's one point the Bible says you're going to be persecuted I heard someone say once, talking about World War II, and the B-17 bombers that would fly over Germany trying to stop, bomb, and eradicate the weapons manufacturing plants and the fuel depots. They would very often fly at night. And whenever they would hear the planes coming, they would shut down all electrical power so no light could be shining up from the targets to help them. And someone asked one of the navigators, how do you know you're over the target? You can always tell you're over the target because the flak trying to shoot them down is at its worst. Enemy flak is heaviest when you're over the target. And when we preach the gospel faithfully, there will be resistance. When you address the sin in a man's heart, he will not like it. When you address the sin in a woman's heart, she will not like it. Why? Basically because we're sinners and we're comfortable in our sin. Romans 8, beginning of verse 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace the apostle paul is giving an argument contrasting those who are sinful to those who are redeemed those who are fleshly full of lusts and desires and those who are spiritually minded He says, the mind that is set on the flesh, ESV says, is hostile to God. The word in the original language literally means at war with God. Old King James says, enmity, hostile, rebellion, angry, against. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we understand why the gospel is preached. When the gospel is preached, it makes people uncomfortable. It's supposed to. When I grew up in the independent fundamental Bible churches, then they would have altar call every service. They made it very clear that conviction of sin is something that is very real and evident in someone's heart who is being called by the gospel message. And if someone has been made uncomfortable by the preaching of the word because of the sin in their life, they need to turn and repent Right away. So when people get uncomfortable because of the preaching, that's a good thing. If you're ever feeling poorly and sick and low energy and something's wrong, you go to the doctor. Doctor, tell me something, uh, give me a pill, help me feel better, but don't tell me I've got cancer. Don't tell me I have heart disease. I don't want any bad news. That's foolish. You want a good physician to tell you what is wrong in order that he might be able to heal. You should want the Lord to expose your sin in order that you might be able to receive spiritual healing, spiritual resurrection. Well, preacher, I can see in the Bible, particularly in the book of Acts, how revival happened so much in the past and how people responded to the Holy Spirit and responded to the Word. Why doesn't it happen so much today? It happened in the past. Why not today? Second Timothy chapter 3 tells us, Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Does any of this sound familiar? Does it look like this world today? The spiritual darkness has gotten so strong and so influential. That's why we're not seeing a response to the preaching of the gospel like we once did. Continuing Second Timothy chapter three. Paul is not talking about the lost so much. I'm sure he has included it, but Having a form of godliness but denying its power. He's talking about religious people. Religious people had gotten this way. The close of the book, the close of his letter to the Romans in chapter 16, the Apostle Paul also said, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. I must remind you, no one likes to be called naive. No one wants to be naive. If you're the kind of a person, if you're the kind of a Christian that likes to listen Let me reword that. That likes to be encouraged by a false preacher because that false preacher will tell you something that will make you feel good. You're a little bit naive. You're probably more than a little bit naive. We are supposed to be discerning. We are supposed to be equipped with the word of God. We are supposed to have his wisdom in order to see where someone is telling you a lie and discern that that's not the truth. But in 2 Corinthians 4, the Bible says, God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So resistance to the gospel message is a sure sign that hearts of men and hearts of women are cold and rebellious and blind. And if you accept that resistance to the gospel message is a sure sign, then you will know when the power of God has made an impact. What? Well, first of all, power of God's word is going to make an impact. It's either going to make some people very mad or it's going to bring some people to repentance. It's going to do one or the other. It's going to make some people very mad or it's going to bring them to repentance. In our text at verse forty eight, when the Gentiles heard this they began preaching and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed eternal life believed, and the Lord of and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. God's word was making an impact. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God who said, Let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the gospel is supposed to shine from your heart through your life, brother and sister. Peter wrote in his epistle, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Resistance to the gospel should be expected. Recognize it with discernment. Know when it is happening. Resistance to the gospel often comes from within. Now, I could spend a part of this point just talking about within our own hearts but I'll save that for another day it comes from within the church surprising some might think so but everyone who stands in the pulpit does not preach the truth we need to be very aware that the decline and spiritual aptitude is prevalent in this world Harvard University and Harvard Seminary were both founded to prepare men for the gospel ministry and you've probably heard recently they just appointed their first atheist chaplain go figure How can you be an atheist and a chaplain? Resistance to the gospel often comes within. Verse 49 in our text, The word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited devout women of high standing and leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district now, let me remind you, the Gentiles got the message people who were not raised in a religious atmosphere but who were somehow some reason following going to the synagogue, the Jews were doing what they were supposed to do. they were talking about Jehovah to the people around them, and they were inviting them to church, their synagogue, and the people were learning. Getting involved at the synagogue, they were called God-fearers. They weren't true Jews. Gentiles got the message. But it says here, the Jews incited the devout women of high standing. Faithful women, moral women, respected religious women. They either belonged to the synagogue, in other words, they were Jewish ladies, or they were of the Gentiles who attended. But they had influence. You can be very religious, you can be moral, you can be decent, you can be perceived as good, you can even be a member of a church and still be lost. Because there are a lot of people will hide in the church. Some of you may remember the name Dennis Rader. This is an extreme example. You might not remember the name Dennis Rader, but most of you my age or a little younger might remember Bind, Torture, Kill. This was a man back in the late 80s and early 90s killed 10 people. He would kidnap them, he would tie them up, he would torture them and then leave them for dead. And the terrible, if that's not terrible enough, he wrote about it and sent letters to the police taunting them, bragging he's never going to get caught. And then as technology improved, he stopped sending them letters written on paper and in envelopes. He sent them a package with a computer disk in it. And he thought that I can send them pictures, I can send them... Thought this was going to be a nice, clever way to... with their forensic computer technology guy was able to open up the files with the metadata on that disk. He recorded that computer disk on his church's computer. Dennis Rader was president of the church council. He was a family man He is a Boy Scout troop leader and a murderer. You can be very religious. You can be moral. You can be decent. You can be perceived as good. You can even be the member of a church and still be lost. That's why when you come to Countryside Presbyterian Church, and you say, I want to be a member of this church. The elders will sit down with you, and they want to hear a testimony from your lips, they want to understand they want we want to know that you understand your salvation. That what Christ has done for you is clear and evidence and understood. But people who are very religious and very decent perceived as good are very often resistant to the gospel they think that can be good enough because they're very proud people they think they can deceive other people resistance to the gospel very often comes from within the church and i know that's an extreme example But we're seeing this more and more. Many church leaders are changing the gospel message today. I can mention several names that you would be well familiar with. They are compromising, changing the message of the gospel. They think that since more and more people are angry with the church, thinking that the church hasn't done a good job converting them, the church must be preaching the wrong message. So they're changing the message. Some of you remember Fred Rogers and he had a wonderful children's show on public television. I have nothing against his TV show. My children watched it. It was not offensive. But there are a lot of people in the church today who have adopted his message as a gospel message. God loves you just the way you are. And they've kind of followed through with that thought saying that you need not change anything in your life in order to be a Christian. There's a brand new church plant New church started up in San Diego, California, called Living Faith. And this is an ad they posted on, it's either TikTok or Twitter, one of those that I don't use. A church for sinners by sinners. Where else will you find an adult actress who is also a pastor? Did you catch it? Husband and wife pastors leading this church and she is an adult actress. It's not that she was and got saved and repented. She is still an adult actress. See, you can be a Christian and you don't have to change. God loves you just the way you are. Resistance to the gospel will come from within the church. We need to recognize it. We need to know that's not right. That's wrong. They are not true believers. There are preachers and leaders in the church that will tell you that your racial Identity, your sexual identity, is more important than your identity in Christ. If you have ever, they will tell you that if you have ever been abused or, or oppressed, then you have every right to be proud and bitter and demand retribution. That's not the gospel message. But that is being preached from pulpits in the church today. Resistance to the gospel comes from within the church. Now, I will agree with you because the Bible says so. God is love. I am glad that God loves me. I'm glad that God loved me even when I was a sinner. But he didn't love my pride. He didn't love my anger or my bitterness. He didn't love my lust, my dishonesty. He did not love all the sin that ruled my life. Jesus died to take all of that upon himself in order that I might be free of it. Now that's the gospel. If you want to hang on to your sin and your lust, your pride and your bitterness, you're not saved. That might hurt some people, that might make some people uncomfortable, but it is the truth. You need to respond appropriately, repent of your sin, let the Holy Spirit overwhelm your life, and set you free. Resistance to the gospel often comes from within the church. The Jews incited devout women of high standing and leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul. synagogue in Antioch was not all Jewish. There were some Gentiles or God-fearers there, devout women of high standing. Probably some were Gentiles with a congregation of the synagogue. A woman's presence carries a lot of influence. Some women are outspoken in good ways. Some women are outspoken in not so good ways. Some women are timid in good ways where they're, they're humble, they're quiet, they're faithful, they're servants. And some women are timid in not so good ways, where they, they don't say anything, they don't participate at all, they don't have confidence. I'm not saying that's good or bad. But a woman's presence in a family, in a home, in a church, always carries influence. Always carries an influence. Resistance comes to the gospel, comes from within the church, it's still a big problem. There's sometimes people who would say, I don't like what the preacher is saying. They will complain and try and stir up resistance to the church and get the preacher to leave. And sometimes they will just leave on their own. that is a sign of resistance to the gospel there are legitimate reasons to leave a church there are legitimate reasons to dismiss a pastor but the faithful preaching of the word is not a legitimate reason the faithful preaching of the word is not a legitimate reason In fact, if you're attending a church, those who might be seeing this recorded, if you're attending a church and the preaching is not that strong, it's not that good, and it's not that faithful, but you're there for the relationships, you're there for the wrong reason. You need to think about it. Resistance of the gospel regularly. Comes from outside the church, Word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. The Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city. The Jews incited the leading men of the city and stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. The Jews, the leaders of the synagogue let's let's get the magistrates, let's get the proconsuls, let's get the leaders of the city.' involved on this let's bring the politicians in much of the resistance to the gospel we see in the world today is politically motivated we need to be aware what is happening We are supposed to pray for our leaders, and we try to do that faithfully. We are supposed to abide by the laws of our land, and we try to do that faithfully. But there are some laws that are so politically motivated that are designed to limit our worship. That's where we draw the line. They're going to press this even further, designed to limit our sharing the gospel. That's where we need to press the line even farther. Resistance to the gospel ultimately leaves one conclusion. All who refuse the message of the gospel will see condemnation. That's the conclusion. All who refuse the message of the gospel will see condemnation. In Mark's gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching his disciples. He said, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the sons of men, whatever blasphemers, whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. We've identified this, or we very often refer to this as the unpardonable sin. What could be so sinful that it is unforgivable? When the Holy Spirit shines light through the preaching of the word and it is resisted, it is refused, that is unforgivable. You cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. You cannot be saved without the power of the Word of God. If it is resisted, it is unforgivable. And there are people who are resisting the gospel message outside the church and within the church. And the only conclusion for them is if they do not repent and if they do not receive the word of God and the Holy Spirit and Christ as their Savior, they will be doomed forever. That is signified by the last words of our text where Luke records that Paul and Barnabas shook off the dust of their feet against them and went on to Iconium. Persecution elevated and they were taking the words of our Lord when he said, when you are persecuted in one city, flee to another. They were just doing what the Lord told them. And as they went, they just kind of shook the dust of their feet. I don't even want your dust on my sandals anymore. I've quoted this person before. Andre Sue Peterson is a contributor to World Magazine. She talks about sharing the gospel. This past July 4th, she and her family had had a couple of guests in, and they all went to a 4th of July parade in the afternoon. And when they got home, their guest cars one was a brand new red Mustang and one was a big SUV, their cars out front of her home had been just smeared with mud. She called the neighbor across the street who has a video camera and asked him, did he happen to catch anything recorded? He said, no. Still doesn't know who did it. But then she comments, by sheer coincidence, our pastor's sermon on the morning of this fourth on the morning of the 4th was on 1 Peter 4.12. Do not be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. He very honestly confessed from the pulpit to being personally surprised at how surprised he was when people dislike him for the sake of Christ. There is no evidence at all that the car thing, talking about the vandalism of the cars in her front yard, had anything to do with me being a Christian. I say this to my shame, perhaps. We're told that all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, 2 Timothy 3.12. If you're not being persecuted, are you just lucky or are you living godly enough? Are you being beaten for the public faith of in Christ Peter and the other apostles rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Red Mustang jealousy is as plausible a guess as any, I suppose. Still, it's best to be ready for trouble or it's best to be ready for persecution. Since our own Lord predicted that because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Ask the brethren of Afghanistan. Resistance to the gospel should be expected. Let's recognize it when it comes from within the church. Let's realize it when it comes from outside the church. And let's continue to bring the gospel so no one is doomed or damned who hears this message. If they do, that is their only conclusion. If they, if they do not receive this message, that is their only conclusion. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we are thankful for the word and its power. We pray that it might get a hold of our hearts and challenge us to be faithful to the Lord in witnessing. May we be bold as lions. May we be as faithful as Job. May we be able to endure resistance and persecution. And ridicule. For the sake of the gospel. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us continue to worship this morning. Through tithes and offerings.